Hello, everybody. How are you? Welcome back to Homeschool Minnesota. I'm so excited. Um, we just uh, introduced you in our last session to Rochelle Ruiz, who I just love with all my heart. And she is back today. Now, last time was a little more lighthearted and fun. And we introduced Rochelle and just kind of talked about just some homeschooling issues and things that are just close to our hearts. But this topic, I just wanted to just kind of give a little bit of a preemptive warning. There is some sensitive things that we're going to be discussing, and I would like it to just warn you that if you have any children in the room that you might not want to, ex you know, we just want to have freedom to talk about what we need to talk about today. Um, and it might be some topics that aren't for young little ears, um, just regarding like our mental health and our stories. Rochelle's going to share her story a little bit, and and there's just parts of her story that, that are great things for um, that we can relate to, but children maybe um, shouldn't be in the same room at the moment. So if you happen to be listening in your kitchen while you're doing dishes or making dinner and you have it on, or you're in the car and your kids are in the back seat, maybe this is the podcast you can wait until you get home and you have your headphones on. And you're just kind of lounging by yourself somewhere or out by the lake or wherever you happen to be and just listen then. Um, yeah, we just want to give you that little bit of a heads up, okay? Um, I'm praying that y'all are having a wonderful summer. Minnesota summers are very, very short, and we are just enjoying our summer. Um, as you know, this summer session is all about the educator, um, just our mental health, our, our well-being, setting ourselves up for success. And if we set ourselves up for success, we're setting our children up for success. And um, just things that we can do to tweak our 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 life a little bit to make homeschooling a little bit easier. So I would like to welcome Rochelle. Hi, Rochelle. Hey, great to be with you again, Dale. I'm glad you're here. I just <laughs> want to thank you so much for coming back on. Um, I know that today is going to be um, you sharing your story and you have an amazing, powerful story. And I'm just yeah. super excited um, for what um, God is going to do this, this, this episode and, and the people that it's going to touch. And so I just, um, letting people know, I'm probably not going to interject a whole lot. I'm just going to let Rochelle tell what she needs to tell. Um, it's her story and I don't want to, I don't need to emphasize things. So, um, yeah, I just want to give you free reign, Rochelle. Thank you, Dale. Yeah. yeah thank I, you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, excuse me. I love your heart for the summer, summer sessions, um, you know, that these times would really be for educators who have been continually pouring into their children. Yeah. You know, they really need time to be refreshed. And I know for our family, during our 18 years of homeschooling, one of the keys to a successful school year was making sure that I had times for myself, you know, time exactly. set aside to rejuvenate and refocus. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, um, so important. Yeah. So with that in mind and knowing what your focus was, um, today I wanted to share about the topic of feelings and emotions, which, as you mentioned, does include sharing you know, my story. Um, last session, I mentioned the importance of setting goals for our homeschool year and beyond. And when my husband and I were setting goals for our school and family, one of our goals was that our children would be educated on the topic of feelings and emotions. We yeah. wanted them to have a school experience where in addition to growing stronger academically, you know, physically and spiritually, they would be growing stronger emotionally. 
uh, you know, studies show that children who grow up learning how to identify their feelings and emotions and who learn how to navigate the swirliness and even messiness of them end up being adults who know what they need and often make healthier decisions for themselves. And that's what we wanted for, for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a post the other day that said, it's easier to build strong kids than it is to repair broken adults. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, both are difficult. Let's just yes. be honest, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're either gonna pay, you're either gonna pay the cost at the beginning, or you're gonna pay the cost further down the road, right? But right. there will be a cost. <laughs> yes. Um, but as you know, Dale, you know my husband and I had come out of situations in our families of origin that had left us feeling a bit broken. Yeah. Um, I had walked through a very traumatic situation as a young person that left me feeling torn for sure, and took a lot of time uh, for, for healing to happen and to get to a place where both of us felt like we were walking in more health and strength. So our hope for our children, <clears throat> excuse me, was that they wouldn't have to work through so much brokenness. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to share a little bit about, you know, my story. Uh, when I was a young girl, feelings weren't something that people talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't there, there weren't many resources for people going through difficult times. If your family was walking through a challenging season and you reached out for help, you were considered mentally ill or unstable. So people like my parents didn't reach out for help when things were difficult. Yeah. They, they just did their best with the tools that they had. And to be honest, my parents had grown up with their parents who didn't talk about their feelings and emotions either. So no great parenting tools had been passed down to them, you know. And, and at that time, unlike us now, they didn't have internet or podcasts. Uh, they didn't have online access to order great books on how to parent and deal with their children's emotions. Yeah. Um, I consider that they, like, I really think they were amazing parents and there is no doubt they loved us so much, but they just lacked the tools needed to assist us through some traumatic things. Yeah. And so they just did their best to survive and cope with everything we were facing. But I, you know, I just want to say here, just so people can know my heart that, um, with the work that my husband and I do, um, we often work with, um, kids and families. Um, I have to believe that parents love their children and want them to be healthy spirit, soul, and body. I really don't believe there are many, if any, parents who would say, you know what I want to do? I want to <laughs> have children, and I want to mess up their lives. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I don't know anybody who thinks that. No. Yeah. no. yeah. And yet there are so many adult children now who are processing and healing through issues, you know, based on the parenting styles of their parents. But yeah. um you know, I really know that to be true, that parents really want to do, to do their best. Um, but when I was a child in my school, people were often teased or bullied if they showed emotions. They yes. were called names or rumors were started about them, especially if they started to cry. Um, yeah. As kids, we were taught uh, we needed to keep our feelings on the inside to ourselves, to be tough and to suck it up. Boys were told to be a man and, you know, often like my husband was told that real men didn't cry. Yeah. And it was interesting that 
in school, we were taught, you know, math, language, arts, science, music, even art, but not about our emotions. Yet every single one of us have emotions. Yeah. So because we weren't taught about our feelings and uh, we were left to kind of just figure things out, things didn't always end up very well. Yeah. And uh, I remember one specific season when things were very difficult in my family. I'm the youngest of four children. And at one point when we were all either in our preteens or teenage years, Lord bless my parents. (laughs) 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 We were, um, we were all really struggling. And I'm not sure if anyone in our church or community actually knew we were struggling because, um, you know, quite sadly, we were great at pretending everything was okay because that's kind of what we were told to do. Just, yeah, you know, so we looked really good on the outside as a family. Mm. My, my parents were very involved in our community. Uh, my dad was on the school board. My mom was active in our church. She volunteered in, in our school classes. My brother was a star football player. My oldest sister was very popular, became homecoming queen. My other sister was great at gymnastics and horseback riding, and she won awards for that. You know, I was just very creative as a child and was on stage at the age of five and then on TV by the age of 10. We looked great on the outside. but You had it all. (laughs) Yeah, so people thought, right? Yeah. But if you came into our home, let's say on a Saturday, you know, when there weren't activities and we, our, our masks were off and we weren't pretending, it, it wasn't great. In fact, it was painful for all of us, mm. um, you know, on the inside. And um, for me, in about ninth grade, the pain inside was just unreal in addition to the normal challenges that teens go through, I was also dealing with the trauma of being sexually assaulted multiple times by a neighbor who was 30 years old when I was only 14. Uh, Yeah. And he threatened to kill my family if I ever told anyone. So I was also dealing with the fear of that. Uh, You know, I did end up telling my family and there was a restraining order against this man, but he continued to stalk me all of my teenage years and beyond. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, When I was old enough to drive, he would hide in his vehicle and wait for me to come home from work or school. And then uh, multiple times he tried to run me off the road. Mm. Um, You know, he would just stand in the middle of the street, you know, just far enough away that it didn't, you know, break the restraining order kind of perimeters. Often, um, when my friends came over, he would stand in the middle of the street and yell lies about me in front of them. So you can imagine how that affected me emotionally, just as a teenager. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there's not enough you have to deal with just being a normal teenager. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no idea how to deal with those intense emotions. And when you, when you don't know how to deal with feelings and emotions, you know, there's a few ways to cope. You try to avoid them, you ignore them, or you shove them inside of you. And yeah. when traumatic things happen and you shove those inside, it's it's extremely painful. Mm. My husband and I have done work with families and children who have gone through some similar traumatic things. And we like to teach them this concept that it's like we have a, a balloon inside of us 
um, where we blow our unprocessed feelings and emotions and our, our balloon begins to get very full and feel extremely painful. Um, so as a young person, I blew all those feelings I had deep inside me into my balloon until it was so painful. I just no longer could cope. I couldn't, you know, there was no mask that could cover what was going on. I couldn't pretend anymore. It was just so painful. I honestly didn't want to live. And I had known grief and shame, sadness, fear, and embarrassment. And at this point, you know, I just wanted to find any way to go numb or even sure. worse. I, I was fine, you know, losing my life. I just really didn't want to live. Yeah. Um, and so when a person is dealing with strong emotions like this, they will often start making very scary and dangerous choices to go numb. You know, as I mentioned, to get the focus off of what is really going on. You yeah. can see them make dangerous choices like using drugs or alcohol. Uh, some young people these days are choosing self-mutilation, which can be really scary for family members or friends to see. Yeah. But it actually shifts their pain from what's inside to the pain on their body. Um, some people have food addictions and end up dealing with bulimia or anorexia. Some mm -hmm. people may, you know, drive fast or do not very smart things. Some people are violent. Yeah. Um, and some people like myself as a young person hurt so bad that they, they want to die. I mean, that's why we see a lot of the suicide rates going up right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people jump off cliffs or you, we see them fighting with people. Some people go from one abusive relationship to another. There, there are a lot of people walking around in our world right now hurting because their balloons are full um, yeah. and they're doing scary things. But you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's hard to see. And sometimes we just want to distance ourselves from that. But when you see people making dangerous and scary choices, just try to remember, it's like they're holding up a huge sign that says, I don't know how to say it, but help me and my family, please. Yeah, exactly. They, um, they need support and understanding. They need to know that they are not alone. There are so many resources available to us at this time in history. You know, there's marriage and family counselors online and in person, books, podcasts like this, prayer networks, support groups, yeah. recovery groups. It's, it's become very acceptable to admit you need some help and get the tools you need to make it through in a healthy way. So if you know someone who is struggling who may not know about these resources please try to help them and and get them the support they need even if it's to connect them with you know somebody who's a counselor if you're struggling you're please reach out yes and get some help you're you're not alone yeah there's um, no shame or condemnation in that no no it's yeah but you know the good news about my family is Eventually, my parents did reach out for help, which, of course, greatly impacted our lives in a positive way and it started my family on a journey of learning healthier ways to live and to love one another. That's um, great. Yeah. I, you know, what's great is I ended up having conversations, Dale, with my mom and dad later in life um, where they were able to share just how hard it was for them to parent and Sure. They had the resources that, you know, we have today. They've even, yeah. you know, said that it was okay for, for me to share our stories. I just want your listeners to know that, that, um, you know, I made sure that 
that they were okay with that. But um, yeah, you know, today a lot of people, even some counselors, will ask me, "How were you able to work through everything to get to the place where I'm walking, you know, stable and healthy and strong?" And uh, I know there were a few significant things that changed my life and allowed me to do that. And so I just want to share those. Yeah, that would be wonderful, Rochelle. Thank you. Yeah. So first, uh, you know, this is my story and I know people will have different stories, but I just want to say that I know I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for my relationship with God. Uh, I just, you know, I knew I wasn't alone. And I remember multiple times, you know, in desperation, crying out to him and asking yeah. him to help me. Yeah. And, um, you know, he really reached into my life in so many ways. But one time when I was praying, I asked him to show me that he was actually with me. And suddenly in that moment, I, I felt something tangible. It was, uh, it was like his love wrapped around me. And I felt a peace I had never known mm. in my entire life. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was one of the first times that I was actually aware that I was experiencing the presence of God. Wow. It's just, yeah, it was, that was a moment that marked my life. The second thing that really changed my life was admitting that I needed some help. Yeah. You know, I just couldn't keep masks on or pretend anymore. I needed support. And I believe God answered my prayers by bringing counselors into my life who were really his, his extended love to me. And uh, I had a counselor who suggested that I'd be completely honest with God and pour out everything. Um, even all the things I was afraid God wouldn't be able to handle, which is hilarious. Like I thought God couldn't handle it. <laughs> it's like he can't handle, handle what we say. I'm just so mad at you, God. And he's just I like, mean, really, you think? <laughs> I just had this, you know, this image of God that he was pointing the finger, constantly pointing out where I was blowing it, you know? Um, yeah. But my counselor was, you know, suggesting that I pour out everything, even the fact that I was angry and disappointed that my life story included the trauma I walked through. Sure. Um, you know, I had pastors and mentors who encouraged me to read through specific Psalms of David where he poured out his heart to God. And I could relate to David because he was a creative um, and even though he had made some terrible mistakes, he was known for being a person after God's heart. Um, he was a worshiper and I really, I'm a worshiper too. And reading his Psalms brought so much revelation to me on who God was. Uh, like I mentioned, it was hard for me to imagine that God would be okay hearing the truth about my heaviness and like the burdens that were on my heart. But there it was in front of me, you know, I was yeah. reading it in Psalms and in Psalm 22, if you don't mind, I just want to share this. Yeah, please there's, do. There's one that really changed me and it was David was obviously emptying his balloon with God. Like he was laying it out there and I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, how we can do healthy things to empty our balloon instead of doing dangerous things that I already mentioned. But um, this is definitely one thing is pouring our, out our, our heart to God and emptying our balloons with God. And so Davis, David was obviously emptying his balloon with God, God and laying it out there. A um, couple of the verses say, my mouth is dried up. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. 
you lay me in the dust of death. All my bones are on display and people mm. stare and gloat over me. Uh, you know, he was honest with God. And then in the next verses, he cried out for him to deliver him and save him in verses 20 and 21. And then I noticed when I just kind of meditated on this verse and really just read it over and over that something happened uh, after David poured out his heart before God, God did something. And I call it the great exchange where mm. we pour out our heart and then he pours into us. You know, we give him our burdens and he gives us peace. And in yeah. verse 22, David's voice completely changed and he suddenly not only had hope for himself, like it was a complete switch in verse 22, but he also had hope for his community and nation and like rose up and started declaring, you know, hopeful statements yeah. over him and over his community and nation. And in this process of pouring out my heart before God, and then more importantly, allowing him to fill me is what continued to help me to heal and help me get through some of the most challenging seasons in my life, not just that one, but seasons beyond that. And for sure. parenting seasons, marriage seasons. Yeah. Yep. And in regards to feelings and emotions, I, you know what, I had to start at the very beginning. You know, my counselor helped me. I had to be like a child and mm. everything from the beginning about feelings and emotions and what was I feeling? And I had to learn how to identify them and figure out what I needed. I'd never thought like, what do I need uh, to take care of myself so I can show up and, and you know, be my best in life. I had mm. to learn how to navigate my feelings, you know, in healthy ways. And this new way of doing things began, you know, late in my teenage years, but it really helped me make some great choices and set some healthy goals for my life. And yeah. these two things, learning how to identify my feelings and then honestly sharing them with God has, has you know, just been really key. Um, so when I, you know, this was important to, my husband and I, we wanted our kids to grow up to be emotionally strong. And yeah. so we were looking for resources, you know, trying to find books for them that introduced them to the topic of feelings from a faith-based perspective. And I really couldn't find any at that time. And that's the reason why I started writing songs and books about emotions. Uh, we just really wanted to um, build emotionally strong kids. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just grateful to be, it's, it's, as I share about my story, it's almost like, it doesn't seem like it's the same person because of just the deep healing that I've had. And it's, it's wonderful to, to be at this place in life. And I just want yeah. to encourage, you know, the families that are out there, if, if they're struggling or a family member is struggling or one of their children is, is struggling, there's so much hope you know, right where you're at, it's, you know, there's hope that, you know, you're going to get through this. If you reach out for help, if you, um, you know, ask God to help you, he, he will help you. And I, I think one of the things, and I don't want to interrupt you. At no, it's moment, fine. No, it's something just came to me that I was just thinking about. And, and I think, um, as I, as you were reading that scripture in Psalms, I started thinking about how man, God, it almost just isn't fair. <laughs> like we give you our garbage mm -hmm. and you give us your best. 
Yeah. And it just feels like, wow, how much does he love us? How much does he want us free? How much does he want our children to grow up healthy? Yeah. And I want to say that, you know, these books that Rochelle is talking about that she's written, she's underplaying them a little bit. I, they come with, you know, now I'm not sure I'm saying this, but correct me if I'm wrong, Rochelle, they come with, one of them I know does comes with a CD. Um, so they are currently now we've moved into a free, uh, a free platform okay. where um, the purchase of the book includes a downloadable audiobook and there you go. children's song. And they're, uh, are more resources to come. Yeah. And, and um, Rochelle and her husband are very talented songwriters. Um, I've had the privilege of having them be worship leaders at our church for a season and they're just amazing. And, and we just, we just love them so much and um, they are gifted. And these books are, they're exactly what she was saying. Bible faith-based books to help you explain to your children how to process their feelings and what to do with them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's important for me to introduce them to the topic of feelings and start them learning how to navigate them when they were tiny. But um, yeah. Yeah. You know, Dale, I mentioned some, actually I mentioned many of the unhealthy things people might do that are scary or dangerous to deal with their feelings. But um, I really, it's important to me that before our time ends today that I just take a moment to share some great healthy things we can do in our family yeah. to um, empty our balloons and then to invite our children to empty theirs too. Cause that's the thing. We don't want to shove things in. We want to know how to let those out and process yeah. them in healthy ways. So um, some great ways to empty your balloon and invite them to do the same is, you know, with little ones playtime is is amazing being silly and and laughter is just an amazing way to invite them to empty their balloon um jumping and dancing and singing works well uh to help them to express their energy especially when they don't have words yet Uh, if you if you see your child experiencing strong emotions uh, you might for example label that for them. Like, are you feeling frustrated? Because um, helping kids label an emotion makes it easier for them to face. And it normalizes their experience because it is normal from, you know, every moment we wake up, uh, from the moment we wake up during our day to the moment we go to sleep, we have multiple feelings and emotions during the day. So it's really normal to have them. Helping them label them makes it easier for them to face. Um, so sometimes in our family, we would grab a pillow and take turns hitting the ground with it while, you know, we're saying like, I'm frustrated. Right. And then the person would go like, I'm frustrated. And it was interesting because (laughs) at the end of that time, we would often end up laughing. I know it's true. But but really you could feel the release of like the frustration and the help in identifying that, that emotion. Um, but laughter is a great way to empty our balloons and being silly, as I mentioned, and it releases endorphins that are good for us, right? Exactly. Um, making sure your kids have active times is really important. Times riding bikes or swimming or playing outside in the fresh air. Uh, when, when our kids got older, times of journaling were, were great. Yeah. Um, 
my daughter and I actually, there was a time where we were having a hard time connecting. And I'm so grateful for the suggest, suggestion that one of my mentor moms gave me, which was start a journal for you and your daughter. So it was, I would write in the journal, hey, I love you. I just want you to know I love you. Then she might write back, I love you too. And for whatever reason, it was easier for us to communicate in a journal just for a short, short season until we were able to process things in person. Yeah. So that, that was just an amazing time of, like I could say, I don't always know how to, to show it, but I love you and I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So definitely she was older, but that was something that was effective. Um, of course, praying is, is amazing. Um, talking with them and even painting is great. My illustrator, Penny Morandi, loves to use paint to express feelings that are hard to describe with works. You can tell by the illustrations in your book. Yes. I mean, honestly, the faces on those girls are just hysterical and so, (laughs) so good. (laughs) Yes. Um, So yeah, so painting and art is wonderful. In our family, we tried to have regular family meetings and sometimes that worked well and other times it wasn't so effective because, you know, we just wanted to make sure that we resolved it and we all walked away with hope. So other times we switched to one-on-one <laughs> times to yeah. process feelings because sometimes they're share, sharing hard feelings about their siblings. Um, yeah. But we tried to have those times. And one of the best ways to empty our balloons in a healthy way for children and adults is to have a good cry. Amen. You know, as a baby, we knew how to do that, right? It's like exactly cry when you're frustrated, cry, cry when you need something. And crying yeah. is one of the gifts that God gave us that actually helps us heal. And um, in working with counselors and speaking with them about my books and, um, you know, just asking for their thoughts, they often mention that if people can allow themselves to have a good cry, they can heal faster. Yeah. And, and that was important to me. I often was thinking, how long is it going to take me to work through this so that I can be at a healthier place? And, uh, you know, tears just wash away so much uh, yeah. grief and so much trauma. So I just want to say, you know, don't be afraid to, have a good cry. Tears are healing. My husband, I like to say, um, you're not falling apart when you're crying. You're actually falling together. But um, <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Don't be afraid to have a, a good cry. And maybe, you know, this summer you need to just get away and um, just have some time to let go of the cares of the world and, and the challenges and, you know, all the heaviness that you're, you're dealing with. I love in scripture, it says, come to me, I think it's in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. That's really my heart uh, for the listeners is they would be able to experience the great exchange of giving God their burdens and receiving his, his peace and rest. And yeah, that's kind of all I had on my heart to 
to share today, Dale. I don't know if you have any questions. Well, Rochelle, I just, I appreciate your vulnerability. I know that there are women who can, in a lot of ways, relate to your story. Um, I just want to just thank you so much for that because it, it'll, well, you know, when we're vulnerable, it allows other people to be vulnerable mm. because you become a safe person because you're just like, here I am. This is who I am. This is what I've been through. And now you can tell me anything because you know everything about me, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it just, it just brings that gift of intimacy. And um, I would just really want to encourage anybody listening to this podcast. If you have had any struggles that you can relate to in any, on any level with what Rochelle has shared, um, you know, please, please, if you have not processed that with anyone, find somebody, maybe you have a pastor or a pastor's wife or a, a, a counselor or a, just a really good, safe, safe friend that you can just go to and talk to. And, you know, um, we all need, God created us for community. We need community. We need each other. And if you aren't involved in a community, find a community. Um, create a community for yourself. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I remember Rochelle and I, we did that. You know, um, several of us ladies, when we were homeschooling our kids, we just decided we're creating a community for ourselves yeah. because there wasn't one. And and we just started, our kids started just kind of doing life together a little bit. And And it was such a blessing because we knew where we could go with our good and our bad and our ugly. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you just need places like that. And I just want to encourage people going into this next homeschool year. Let's not, let's be emotionally available. Let's be emotionally tender. Let's be realistic about where we really, really are in our mental health and in our emotions and in our feelings and, and when we, when we parent our children, just to allow them, when we're vulnerable with them, like, gosh, mom's just having a really bad, I remember doing this with my kids sometimes. I don't know why I'm so frustrated, you guys. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> am having a bad day. And they're, you know, your kids can handle that. Yes. And what it does is it helps them to go, well, I can tell my mom when I'm having a bad day and, mm-hmm. and I can tell them when I'm struggling and I, and, and, you know, and they, every time never failed. My kids would come around me and be like, you know, hey, mom, you know, let me help you with the dishes today. Or, hey, mom, um, uh, let me just let me help Bailey with her language arts or, you know, whatever, (laughs) or or Christopher with his science or Alicia with her this or that, you know, or whatever. They would help each other more. They would they would just become more gentler around me, you know. And when they knew that I was having a day where I was like, I don't even know what to feel right now. And yeah. And it just brought intimacy into our family. Mm-hmm. And we all want that. And so it's okay to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage you to just do that. And um, Rochelle, I just, I, I'm just so grateful. I'm, I'm excited for our next session. <laughs> um, I know that, that um, we've, you've got some really good things to talk about. And I do want to encourage you in the description of the former podcast that the previous one that she, that Rochelle did with us. And this one, I'm going to put a link to where you can buy her books. And I encourage you to do it because it literally, it, it'll help you. I, I read them to my, 
my little grandchildren and and the whole time I'm like oh yeah <laughs> grandma maybe needs to do this <laughs> or oh when was the last time I actually was honest about the way I when I was angry at something mm-hmm. because for some reason we consider anger to be just this sinful thing it's the it's it's you know, anger is a real emotion. It's how we act out that anger, how we process yeah, it. That that's right. Negative or positive, right? Yeah, that's so right. So we, we are going to feel angry. It's okay mm-hmm. to be angry. It's not okay to walk in anger. Right. Um, so learning how to release these things and, and like in the got to give it to God. I love that. And, and so, um, yeah, anyways, um, I'm just so grateful, Rochelle. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Dale, for this opportunity to be with you. Yeah. And I just want to wrap this up and just encourage you uh, listeners again, if there's anything, if you don't have a community, email me and you will have community. I will make sure (laughs) even if it's me calling you on the phone every day going, how are you doing today? You know, and praying with you. I will do that for you. Um, I just believe in it so much until we can get you into a situation. Nobody should have to be alone. Nobody should ever have to be alone and you aren't alone. Um, anyways, so thank you so much, Rochelle. Um, we are going to wrap this, this session up and we are going to, um, get ready for the next one. And I just want to encourage you guys to listen to the next one too. And just really, um, how do you process all of this information that Rochelle gave us today? What to, how does that translate into day to day? How does that look? into the day-to-day parenting our kids, walking it out, being a woman of God, being a parent who can, um, in a healthy way, homeschool and take care of our kids. So, um, yeah, so we'll just leave it right there. Thank you guys so much. Come back for the next session. Talk to you later. Bye, Rochelle. Bye.